Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them, and just why we like them. For those of you out there counting, this is episode 10, that's right, number 10, coming at you on October 12th, 2017. My name is Chase Strollenberg, and I'm joined today by... Stu Gritter. Stu Gritter, how are you doing, Stu? I'm doing fantastic, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. good. We made it to ten. Yeah, we made it to ten. Yeah, we did. Um, this is the most productive I felt about anything aside <laughs> from everything else I've done in my adult life. But still, yeah. Yeah. it's like go. in terms of a hobby, like we've gotten a lot of positive feedback about the podcast. Everything seems to be going well. Yeah, um, it's it's yeah, a, I, it's a really nice, warm, fuzzy for something that we enjoy doing and would probably be doing anyway. <laughs> yeah, very good point. So that's cool. Yeah, man. Um, So for any of you individuals out there just tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to uh, really just trying to find the intrinsic educational value in playing video games and actually just playing games in general. So, um, I mean, you can take this to an academic level if you want, uh, questioning whether you get literacy, spelling, stuff like that out of a game. Um, But we're really just trying to, to find anything, anything, even just memorization, like the memorization you build up when you're playing a platformer to uh, to try and get through the levels faster. That is the type of thing we're doing, and we also want to explain why we found games fun. So, um, yeah, if you're tuning in and that's something you're interested in, I hope you enjoy the podcast. So uh, was there anything you wanted to discuss off the top, Stu? Uh, no, nothing jumping out at me right now. Okay, cool. Then um, why don't we just move into what we learned this week? Sounds good. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. For some reason, it's like, should we have music for this section? Yeah, we don't yet. Uh, maybe in the far future. Um, or if you ever want to make <laughs> something, you're welcome to. You are you are a genius. It's the time for the thing where we learned from this oh, week. Yeah. I like it. I like it. There yeah. You you can you can abuse your musical assets. I hear you have a few. Uh, um, uh, not trying to toot your horn. I'm just saying. Um, try not to abuse anyone too much. I mean, abusing me is fine, but we've already had a we've already had a criticism there. about self abuse. So, <laughs> mm. okay, sorry, I was just drinking. Okay, so this next segment is what we learned this week, and this is the segment of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this week, or in this case, a couple of weeks. Uh, Stu and I love tech and gaming news, so remember, if you have any news or tech updates you'd like us to discuss or hear about, just email us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. For those of you out there who didn't catch that the first time, that's learnedfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Sorry, I just, uh, that was a comment that I got recently. Um, so, uh, Stu, do you have anything you want to touch on early? I guess the two things that I was going to bring up uh, about the news actually turned up in an email. So, I, let's just <laughs> deal with it then. I'll, I'll save my news bits for when we're talking about email that's fine you got it yeah and i'm okay with that um i've got a few things i mean uh, i'd feel weird not mentioning the the las vegas shooting that happened uh, last week um that is something that has a profound cultural impact uh another mass shooting especially a mass shooting of that size uh does not go unnoticed 
unnoticed and should not. Um, and for uh, quite a few days, a lot of uh, especially American video game journalists were, well, and people, God, anybody involved, anybody even remotely touched by that event, uh, were feeling very, very down, crappy, and uh, even this week, I mean, it seems like the NFL is a, a little more important than even Puerto Rico or that event to the president, so... Um, yeah, uh, sorry, people south of the border. That's uh, got a hell of a thing mm-hmm. to deal with there. And uh, very, very sorry to hear that that happened. Um, another thing that came up in the news uh, that I'm not sure if you were tracking that is a little more linked to gaming than I was expecting until I read through the entire article is Budfeeds or B- Budfeeds. BuzzFeed ran an article uh, that. Uh, basically they had gotten a collection of emails uh, from um, basically a bunch of interactions associating uh, Breitbart and uh, one of their uh, writers used to be a tech writer his name's Milo and uh, his last name's it's like it's almost Greek Uh, anyways he's not the greatest person in the world borderline racist uh, to all appearances and now actually proven uh, the emails basically established that the the higher ups within Breitbart, so that includes uh, Stephen Bannon and the people who have been financing the paper, um, basically greenlit Milo to uh, be as racist as possible, help establish the alt right, and um, really just be a horrible person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe this doesn't seem like news to anybody who knows who I'm talking about, but uh, this is a this is a gentleman who is deeply, deeply ingrained in GamerGate, which was um, something that questioned the uh, free speech and how journalists were handling covering uh, video games, as well as uh, just disrupting um, uh, video game journalism and developers' lives uh, in in a pretty insidious and horrible way uh lots of ddosing and um a lot of tracking down people's personal information and giving them death threats and stuff and it turns out that there is evidence that's linking milo directly to that sort of behavior um even up into 2016 um so i mean just to just to be clear like at no point do well, at least myself, Stu. I hope I hope you don't either. But like, uh, we, I I I'm not an advocate for racism, by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, uh, I I'm the complete opposite. Right? Like, I I want to be as inclusive as possible. I want to make life for everyone around me as accessible and enjoyable as as possible. I want people to take joy out of the things that are around us, and um. Yeah, if if me even just talking about this upsets you, because I know that uh, Gamergate was a really divisive thing, um, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. Um, in, in which case, it's okay. We don't really have a lot of listeners anyway, so, um, you know. But, uh, yeah, um, it's really weird to think that there was an atmosphere that existed and still exists now where if you just say the wrong thing you can get death threats or if you try to stand up for and defend yourself 
there are people in places like 4chan um like some of the something awful forums and um anybody who just really reads breitbart and thinks that it's real real news um it, it's just sad to think that that's an entire group of people that'll just turn on you and use every single resource they have to make your life terrible um hopefully there will be legal actions taken to clean some of that up but uh the implications of that article they're not going to make things tidy or pretty um like this is basically like blowing the lid off something that everybody knew was there but nobody could prove and now that it's been proven a bunch of people are saying it is also false news or fake news and other people are just like well we knew it all along we just needed the proof um and it's it's basically like kicking a wound that people got back in 2014 all the way up to 2016 so i want to address that i want to acknowledge that it happened and i want to just make it clear that at no point have have I endorsed that type of behavior? Stu, if you want to endorse it, we can have that debate right now. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if you knew that that happened. A lot of people didn't really understand the ramifications of the, the BuzzFeed article because so much of it dealt with the way that Milo was performing during uh, Trump's election. Um, uh, okay. But... Uh, yeah, well, yeah it, it's... I mean, it's a sad day anytime there's any kind of environment where... That kind of shitty behavior not only can be tolerated but like encouraged is <laughs> is is it's kind of it, that yeah it's kind of sad it's on yeah it yeah um you know what uh, waypoint um waypoint radio does a much better job of uh, exploring and discussing this um and i'll make sure that there's a link to that specific um podcast episode in the show notes but uh, just to, just to be clear, like their opinions are shadowed here as well. Uh, free speech is great, but when what you're doing is criminal, it's no longer free speech. It's breaking the law, and harassment and threatening people and ruining their lives is not great. Also, being a Nazi <laughs> maybe not the best thing. Yeah. Being a racist never good. Um, and it's, I mean, it sucks that we have to start some episodes with something like this, but it's been, it's been a rough couple of weeks. So, um, better to acknowledge it now and get it out of the way. I don't know. Maybe we just have to start swatting people, you know, cause that's just hilarious and a harmless prank that nobody <laughs> minds at all. <laughs> um actually i saw a mexican uh soap opera i i don't know why i was i was watching tmz it was just on tv today uh, my wife wasn't even home it was just on tv and there was this there was this mexican uh soap opera star who like hardest i've ever seen a man open hand hit another man in my life uh a reporter <laughs> a reporter was uh nice w- just asked him a question about i think his son had been injured in a in a, some kind of car accident and this this individual oh. he was he was large and strong and he just wound up and slapped the dude um very yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to endorse assault on other people, but uh, yeah, wow, wow, didn't did not see that coming. Um, Public figures still are, you know, that still want to have a personal life, you know, that's not <laughs> yeah. like, come on. Yeah, I don't know. Well, 
and now he's being charged with assault. Well, yeah, 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 because it is. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, here, okay, so here's some other stuff. Uh, things that I learned. Um, so I was doing show notes for another episode, uh, and it was the episode that you actually talked about Smite on, mm-hmm. and it was it was pretty interesting because I noticed we got through that entire episode without discussing the most unconscious and incredibly educational part of that game do you know what it is um just the the pantheons right yes 100 content of the I don't, pantheons yeah i don't know how we didn't bring it up but yeah that game exposes you to the pantheons and because of the way that it's played if you're playing it as much as you do like you learn the names and abilities of those gods right now you learn them in a uh, game mechanic sort of sort of way but in the same way that say if you're playing pirates you learn the geography of the caribbean yeah right like it it becomes it becomes part of the game until it's just like, okay, well, I know who Guan Yu is. I know who um, Sun Wukong is, right? Like you just, you start to figure out who each god is, what they do, what they represent. And because they're pretty accurately represented in Smite, they're not glorified too, too much, except for some of the flamboyant skins. Um, you get a pretty good idea just from the characterization. I would, I would also just put a slight disclaimer on the uh, accurate representation thing because I'm pretty sure High Res got shit on the first time they when they announced the Hindu pantheon. They would, they got a bit of a backlash there. Okay, because well, now, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't. This is gonna yeah. be this blindside. <laughs> okay, by the way, white dude, white North American. <laughs> canadian um yeah was not tracking that which um, yeah yeah and that i think i think that happened before either of us were even looking at the game i but if you look are they if you look back into it, it better now um i'm i don't know i i don't i know it was a it was a thing that happened in the past i don't know if they had to change the representations or change the um the deities that they were targeting or Something, 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 or maybe they just had to rewrite the lore of it. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not well, sure. But I, it, it was. A I thing remember Kali because of that game. <laughs> like, I, I, I loved playing Kali. So <laughs> it's because you're a monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I liked being a, a "Don't get near me or I'll kill you" monster. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I just I thought that was weird. We actually got through that entire podcast without really dwelling Mentioning on that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was funny. That's um, <laughs> The other thing I wanted to clean up is um, I vetted the the article about the uh, the effects of gaming on the brain that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, I'll be sure to link the article back into the show notes again. But um, basically, uh, I I tapped into the Geek Therapy Network. There's a lot of practicing psychiatrists psychologists a lot of grad students a lot of professors that uh drop into that community and i dropped that article and asked them what they thought and most of them said the exact same thing which was the sample size is too small and it's correlational data so yes it got picked up by a media outlet but it got picked up by a media outlet that doesn't seem to want to put value on scientific representation and just wanted the clicks so it's a sensational article um which is the best way to put it i'm not saying that there isn't ground for 
um, significance, but because the sample size is so small and because it's correlational data, it's not something that can be trusted. It's something, all yeah, it, it's something that could lead to a deeper investigation, but in and of itself is not scientific proof of anything. Yes, absolutely. If you can replicate the results um, in a more, uh, like, uh, they were trying to be objective when they were doing the research, sure. But, like, just keep working at it. Get more proof, get larger sample sizes, get more diverse sample sizes, not just more men than women, right? Like, get an even distribution of genders, uh, stuff like that. Then, then once it's big enough and there's this uh, large enough significance in terms of statistics, then take it to press. Um, but the problem is, like, that is an article that also reinforces believed stereotypes about gaming. It just sort of flipped them on their heads a little bit. Yeah. Right? Um, and we were all very fast to read it and engage with it without really questioning the science behind it. And it wasn't until I, I put it into the geek therapy uh, community that it was just like, well, you and I both said sam small sample size is a problem. Yeah. Um, that was the first thing they ripped apart. And they said, this is why you can't even take it seriously. So yeah. um, really don't want to misrepresent things in this podcast if we can avoid it. Again, it's a just a for fun podcast, but... Uh, yeah, we, we want to try and get a little bit of the science. Right? Yeah, it's for fun. It's not for wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and we don't want you to be concerned about shrinking your brains for playing the wrong games, you know? <laughs> <laughs> At least not without proof. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just keep playing those first-person shooters if you want for now. That's your own business. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah, was there anything else you wanted to touch on, students? I, th I think, I think that's... Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, then let's get into the let's get into the meat of this episode. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit different. We're about to jump <gasps> into what we learned from gaming, but uh, today we are going to talk about a game that we both played. We have also both played recently, I think. Yep. Um, yep. And it's uh, it's a game that we both place a lot of value on as being very developmental in our earlier years, but also standing the test of time. So the game that we want to talk about today is Master of Orion 2, and it was produced and designed, or sorry, published and designed by Microprose. Uh, it was for PC, but it was a DOS-based uh, game. Actually, it was on CD, but also um, it was it was on uh, those little, the smaller discs. Floppies? The three and a half? Yes, the, the smaller floppies, but um, I think Windows was out by now. I think yeah, yeah probably it was 96 so 95 was already out windows 95 was out yeah um and uh yeah this was published back in november 1996 and it is a 4x turn-based strategy now x is uh the x's are and i always mess this up yeah. so it's expand ex uh exploit exterminate explorers in there so explore okay, expand, expand ex yeah. explore expand exploit exterminate there you go. You got it. Um, so turn-based 4X strategy game. Okay. Um, I'm just going to go into the core mechanics quick, and then we can start talking about our engagement. So uh, it's a turn-based expansion game on a 2D uh, star map. You use uh, core resources 
um, to make food, but also uh, uh, so use the core resources to make such as food to allow your civilizations to grow, industry that allows you to build, money that allows you to take shortcuts basically or buy things or even sometimes um, manipulate other empires, research that allows you to create technology, and control points that allow you to influence the size of your galactic fleets. Uh, the point of the game is to expand your empire and eventually either uh, one of the three win conditions. One of them is annihilation, so destroy every other race. The other is be voted in by a galactic council as ruler of the universe. And the third is destroy the Antarans. Uh, so sorry, Masters of Orion, or Master of Orion 2. Um, what was the uh, hyphen after? It was like the return of the Antarans, wasn't Battle it? Battle of Antares, I believe. Oh, Battle of Antares, right. So if you go into the Antares dimension and defeat the Antares on their home world, uh, that is also a win condition. So, Stu, let's talk about this game. Um, I'll let you start talking because I just did a bunch. Um, start engaging with uh, what this game meant to you, what sort of things you learned from it. Well, um, I guess my I had played this I, at a friend's house, I think, but this is, uh, I think this was the first game that was like a gift to me. Wow, somebody gave this to somebody, you? Yeah, awesome. somebody gave this this game to me. And I don't yeah. think they, they knew that I had played it or liked it or anything like that. But So I had, you know, brief stints of exposure to it before really diving in deep. Um, and it was, yeah, just, just a huge... I lost many, many hours to this, this game. <laughs> you did not lose them. <laughs> no. No, that's true. I invested many hours. <laughs> there you go. There. To um, own your hobby. Yeah. Your yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah. So it just, just going through have, having a big network of systems, being able to, yeah, just explore a, a universe. Who, what, you know, what kind of 10, 15 year old kid doesn't want to take over the universe? Like, come on. <laughs> You kidding me? Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, yeah, I came across this game. Uh, it was a little more complicated for me. And no, actually, what am I saying? It was not complicated at all. Okay, I owned Masters of Orion One, hmm. the 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 original, uh, which was also a really good game. Yeah, but very different. Yeah. Um, in Orion 1, your ships were in stacks, so your fleets were stacks, and when you went and you fought, you could have, like, thousands and thousands of ships in a single stack, as long as they were all the same type. Very similar to uh, Heroes of Might and Magic, if you've ever played that yeah, type yeah. of game, or, or King's Bounty. Um, but you were still able to do custom design, there was still the tactical fleet combat, um it was just everything was more simplified everything uh the graphics was not there uh the yeah. music was starting to get there but not quite there now when uh masters of ryan 2 came out we had just updated our machines recently because i think we we wanted to play um warcraft 2 um uh, okay so we had we had more than enough ability to also play masters of orion 2 and the second i saw it Mm -hmm. on on store shelves 
I made sure my dad got it because my dad also really enjoyed um, Masters of Orion, the original. But this one, like, just blew it, was, it out of the water, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, the graphics uh, were so good. Like, the, even just the, the, the sprites for each race. Each race was just so different and had such uh, diverse char- uh, characteristics and abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, the sprites looked awesome. Uh, the... In, like I don't know. I the one thing I feel sort of lacked was the the ground combat, but that was still significant. Yeah. But even then, there was this other sort of shadow aspect of of combat that you could actually board ships later on once you had the technology. Yeah. Um, and that made like because the, the meat of combat, the best part of the combat was the tactical combat that you could have between ships yeah. in space. Um, and that's where your customization of ships really shone because you could see the differences between ships and the, the performance, like the different types of abilities when you added additional equipment. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess there, like, there was just so much you could do in this game for something that had like such a simple economy. Yeah. Um, here, sorry, I'll let you talk for a little well, bit because uh, I think both of us could just keep going. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a big part of of the uh, the freedom that was granted was, you know, expanding, starting out with a single colony, making your first colony base, making your first colony ship, slowly scouting the star systems near you, and and proliferating, right? Like, and managing all of those colonies one at a time was really really fascinating too seeing the the differences between uh, building factories on every planet so that you could manufacture things right build more industry build more things or doing research labs first so that you can progress through the tech tree more quickly yeah. and, and research more things more quickly and um, ha- having that kind of freedom to and strategy yeah right you, you needed to really really think about what you were do, um what you were doing like the first playthrough um <laughs> I, was, I was actually trying to think about this yeah um i want to just make it clear i feel like even today i mean that today you can get this game on gog you can get this game on steam it's it's in both places yeah. um it's a very approachable 4x yeah um it's it's simple it takes a little bit to learn, but I mean, you go go on YouTube, watch a video, and that's all it takes. And it's not going to take longer than half an hour to learn all of the mechanics that yeah. you need to learn in order to play this game. Um, and it still has depth. It still has yes. a lot of really good things going for it, and it's approachable. Um, you can't say that about a lot of 4X games out there. I mean, there's the, what is it, Endless Galaxy that's out right now, but that combat is <laughs> not... Yeah. It doesn't have the same quality. It's like a rock, paper, scissors sort yeah. of uh, combat. Um, then you've got the grand uh, the, the grand games. So there's like Stellaris from Paradox. There's uh, Sword of the Stars from Paradox. Well, Cerebus and Paradox. I yeah, recommend yeah. the first Sword of Stars, not the second one. And <laughs> even then, I don't think Stu recommends that no, one. No, I would recommend Stellaris, but... Um, there was also, uh, Space Empires 5, uh, the Space Empire series was pretty good and pretty unnoticed by most people, but the multiplayer was almost non-existent in that. And the tech trees were very hard to approach or even understand. Um, but very, that was an interesting game as well. Um, but that said, those are all much more complicated than this. Um, Masters of or Master of Orion One is a different game than this. Master of Orion Three didn't happen. 
is a very different game than this. Um, and even the new remake from, um, what is it? Uh, not Battle.net, um, the Wargamer. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the guys who do World of Tanks. Yeah, are doing. Uh, yeah. Wargaming.net, um, the guys out of Russia. Like, it is a good game. It captures a lot of the spirit that was and is Masters of Orion, and it's got all of the races there, and they're very well represented. But it is not Masters of Orion 2. Yeah. They use things like star lanes, which uh, really, really restrict um, the type of play. Yeah. Um, just And I think there are ways to break star lanes and actually start doing things later on in the game, but at, at the start, everybody just does star lanes. Yeah. And... I don't want to be a baby about this, but I really it don't feels like limiting. Star lanes. Yeah, yeah. Unless you choose like you want star lanes, which is an awesome choice that you get in Stellaris. You can choose to uh, use hyperspace lanes, um, uh, or you can choose to just use warp and just go from star to star to star as best your engine can manage. Um, like I, that is how travel is represented in Masters of Orion too, which is just. If you have the energy cells, if you have the the if you have the right type of fuel, you can get to a star. There doesn't need to be a connecting star lane. You don't have to rely on hyperspace or any of that stuff. You can unlock technologies later on that make travel faster or different. But um, really, it's just uh, how far your fuel will take you. But I feel like I'm going in a weird sort of rabbit hole, hole and I'm going to let you talk for a bit if you want. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, and and I guess having different, uh, like having that openness of of exploration really went a long way. Um, every game you could set up with different parameters. Uh, including the size of the galaxy and the number of players yeah. in it. So you could play on a, on a tiny map with eight players. It would be very cramped. No one would be happy. You'd all be fighting <laughs> very, very quickly, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But on the huge maps, yeah, it, it took a while, even, even climbing through science and trying to get better and better fuel cells. It still took quite a while to before you were actually skipping, you know, the entire universe, like f f figuring out where everyone was and trying to establish diplomatic ties with people and it was really yeah i without that freedom it feels like being being forced into star lanes really bothers me i don't know yeah. it's it feels gross it feels sticky i can understand it from uh, <laughs> like wanting to enforce more tactical decisions yeah, you can do things like bottlenecks yeah. so easily. Yeah. Like galactic bottle, and this is the thing: like a galactic bottleneck, in reality, can't exist. It doesn't seem like a thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, in in so many uh, so many space games, it does. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't exist in Masters of Orion unless it's uh, uh, uh well, Masters of Orion two. Um, yeah. yeah. Unless the limiting factor is fuel. Um. I don't know. I guess I, I what do I want to touch touch on other things that I would like to touch on. There were so many interesting things that happened in this game. Like yeah. even the invisible stuff that you didn't really pay attention to at first, like um 
I remember when I first started playing, I never really paid a lot of attention to things like morale or happiness or pollution Mm, until things like a riot would happen if people weren't (laughs) happy or your planet becomes toxic and irradiated because you weren't paying attention to pollution Mm -hmm. and you just let it over overproduce. Um, And those were like nice little factors that went in Um, like happiness had uh, some of the influences where I think hunger, um, government, uh, whether or not you had Marines on the planet, whether or not your planet was blockaded by an enemy and being bombed. Um, but uh, pollution was straight industry. Yeah. Uh, if you did too much industry without the right mitigation, so you could choose to make pollution processors that would reduce pollution, there was a recyclotron that would re- would turn pollution into an additional uh, industry. Uh, eventually you could get the... Uh, the um, what was it? The deep core, deep core uh, mines or robo miners or something. Yeah. It was the deep core waste dump where basically you, it's like oh, a geothermal yeah. hole that you just throw. Yeah. Just chunk, chunk all your into. nuke waste into the planet core and just um, hope for the best. Yeah. There, no, there's no problem. No problems <laughs> are going to come from yeah. that. Um, and they never did. Uh, not in this game anyway. Yeah. I expect that they wouldn't, uh, in a later game, yeah. Solaris would definitely take advantage of that. Oh now. yes. Um, but uh yeah the the make waste go bye bye uh such a funny building um yeah and it, it was just so interesting like for the most part the game was just money food research and industry right uh and you had those command points uh to decide the the size of your fleet but like um you would use the you would use the research to improve buildings on your colony but also to improve your ships you would um take the ships out expand your colonies uh and like get useful skills there was also heroes that you could get both for your ships and also for your colonies that would improve things um yeah just an interesting amount of of depth i I really really enjoyed it i really enjoyed the ship customization and Mm -hmm. the choice of equipment that you could put on ships um really helped differentiate your sort of tactics and style from uh those of the people you were playing with and and the computer the computer just did the best uh whereas you could think outside the box um and and just try and do new things and and that always felt better than like when you're playing in rts typically you get an upgrade and what does it mean your marines shoots for six damage instead of five but in this game you're designing your ship so it's do you want a bunch of missiles or do you want some beam weapons or do you want some of each or do you want uh less missiles but bigger ones or do you want a million tiny useless little lasers like f- figure your shit out yeah or and this is where the equipment stuff came in which really differentiated your ship from anybody else's do you want a lightning shield that activates every time your ship's about to get hit by by missiles or do you want a subspace teleporter that allows you to teleport behind your enemies and shoot them on their weak points or completely bypass them and attack the planet or do you want uh, self-repairing cells that will repair your ship every round as it's getting hit do you want to have super shield amplifiers that make your shields impossible to penetrate with beam weapons just all kinds of like really insightful interesting stuff um, that suddenly your ships become more than just, okay, this is a beam frigate. This is a missile frigate. Yeah. Right. Um, there were some really, really cool things that you could go on there. And I mean, masters of Orion, the original 
set the groundwork for that, but yeah, this yeah. game took it and and really, really ran with it. They accomplished a lot. It, yeah. With it, yeah, they really, really did. Um, and the, then you got the. Sorry, you go ahead. I was going to say the feeling of of bringing a a, a massive doom star into the middle of the enemy's <laughs> fleet, hitting <laughs> everyone with tractor beams, and just oh. having your way with them, and slowly boarding all their ships because they can't get away, is hilarious. You know what? I, I never use a tractor beam. Um, oh, I would so always. Fun. I would use things like uh, subspace teleporters and all kinds of other stuff to do shenanigans, but yeah. never a tractor beam. Yeah, um, yeah or like uh, black hole generators were fun too. You just like yeah. shoot. Uh, you'd you'd start to activate the uh, the black hole on the ship and then just sort of leave it alone because you knew that it was going to die. Um, because the uh, the black hole would get created and then it would just destroy the ship. Um, I don't know, and it was I liked the way the tactical battle played. I mean, it you've seen this grid before, um, but it's basically like playing a chess game, um, but more space to move around, and you can turn around and do all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, I don't know, like like some some of the pros for this game, like even it, it's aged really well. Um, yeah. When when I and surprisingly maybe this well, is nostalgia. It could be a nostalgia, though. I'm a little worried it is. Um, but in terms of, like, it's not as gritty. It's not as hard as a grand strategy. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. There's still lots of depth and customization, like we've suggested. Um, and just to keep in mind, for a long time, and I'm not exaggerating here, like, for... Uh, I'd say at least 15 years. Uh, we've only started to see some really, really enjoyable 4X uh, space games again in, I'd say, the last two, three, maybe even four years. But, like, this set the benchmark for 4X, and people were trying to replicate it, and most of them were doing yeah. it badly or weren't even trying. And it's still the benchmark today. That's the thing. Anytime a 4X comes out, it's how does it compare to Mu 2? You still see that conversation over and over and over again yeah and there are some people who don't like to have that conversation there's some people who don't like the the comparison some people mm -hmm. would rather compare stuff to um alpha century which i will admit is a it's very good fair. game yep and that is something like alpha century again microprose property um uh, that like that that studio could do no wrong in my eyes and is also defunct and doesn't exist anymore yeah. so too um, bad but uh, some would argue that there was more depth and a lot more that could be accomplished in a game like Alpha Centauri, and I would say, okay, um, sort of apples to oranges kind of comparison. Yeah. But uh, in terms of, like, grand space opera sort of uh, expansion kind of thingy, um, it's hard to I beat. would play... Sorry, go ahead. So it's hard to beat. Yeah, it is hard to beat. I would play this game any day. I like this game is awesome, and once you've played it a few times, got a few games under your belt, continues to be awesome. Uh, one of the only cons I could think of for this game is playing it multiplayer is a lot harder now than it was back in the day, and even back in the day, it, it was, was still not easy. Shit. Yeah. Um, like e once you got it to run, even if it was on a stable LAN, uh, sometimes tactical battles would just ruin the game, and you'd have to restart. Yeah. Um, Hot seat. And hot so, seat usually worked. Yes, hot seat was actually really, really good, but takes a really long time. Yep. And so that's why I just kept waiting patiently. For, I'm just like somebody, just make a goddamn Moo clone. Like make a goddamn Moo two clone yeah. with stable multiplayer, 
with tactical combat that works. And I know that's asking a lot because I know that that's actually a really complicated thing to make, but nobody ever did. Yeah. <laughs> nobody ever did. Yeah. Um, and it was really sad. Like, um, I, I remember we would just play count. Well, we, uh, mostly, um, myself cause you didn't get pulled into most of them. We'd play sort of the stars over oh, and over yeah. and over again. Uh, because it was the closest thing, but it wasn't turn-based combat for the uh, for the tactical combat. Yeah. It was RTS, yeah. which is what's in the new Masters of Orion or yeah. Master of Orion. It's just an RTS. Uh, tac- it's not uh, turn-based strat, so um, not a, a major major hit. But like as a turn-based guy who fell in love with this system, yeah. it's a little harder for me to swallow. And sometimes I do ask. Why, 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 why change things around? It wasn't broken. Um, the, the turn-based system that is in this game is still good. It still feels good. Yeah. Um, now I'm just trying to think like, let's, let's talk about, uh, like in terms of educational concepts that you could take out or in terms of things that you learned while playing it, like economy is huge. Um, it's a very simple economy, but still getting, getting your, your hands on it, like actually starting to understand it. Very big deal. Stu, I know you loved espionage and diplomacy. Um, I know that most of that was sort of fabricated, but did you ever play with other people? I, I'm going to just let you talk about that. However you want. Well, yes. Um, Playing with other people is always interesting too, but kind of for other reasons. If you want me to jump into espionage and diplomacy, then that's that was a whole other, <laughs> like a whole other thing, and it's it ties in really well with the, the the tactical combat as well because you could do a lot. You could you could goad other nations, other other empires into fighting each other just by bribing them with technology, and as long as you know you had the technology, so you could really be kind of in control of who's winning fights because you could offer one person uh, offer offer one empire you know a specific kind of technology and say i'm going to give you this fantastic armor i'll give it to you for free if you start fighting those guys and they say yes fantastic give (laughs) us this armor we'll fight the shit out of anyone because that armor is great and then you go to the people that that they're declaring war on you say hey those guys are dicks I'm going to give you these guns that go through armor that looks exactly like theirs. So here you go. Have fun. By the way, give us money or something. And it just, you could just keep people fighting each other and choose who's going to win. It was really like, if if you're a megalomaniac, (laughs) it really offers a lot. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Now, what about espionage? Espionage was... uh, it was a simple system, right? You just you create spies with your industry and you can either keep them at home to defend or send them to attack people and they could either go and steal technology or they could go and destroy buildings. Um, or they could really just cool. sit there and be counter agents. Yes, yeah. Um, which didn't really do a lot though. It, unfortunately yeah, it gave you it gave you an updated uh an updated interface so like uh kept you informed about what text they were getting yeah um it made you more susceptible to being discovered um but it also helped you kill enemy spies from that nation on the way in yes um 
and all of those things were really neat because if you're good enough at spying you could frame other nations as well so you could not not only <laughs> blow up shit on other people's colonies blame, um, it, on blame it on somebody else who's oh. not as good at spying which was which was great great fun yes um, yeah um spy games were uh, for the simple system that it was uh definitely an a, yeah. an enjoyable addition i have yet to properly engage with the new espionage system in the new in the new one yeah master of orion um but i i tried playing it again a little bit recently but i just i haven't gotten there yet yeah uh the other really big thing that like we have to touch on is the customized races absolutely the customized races and customized universe types because that made such a massive difference there were what 20 ish 18 20 22 i don't know (laughs) roughly that many races to pick from Uh, 12 12 no it's more than that in mutu okay yeah dirty live it was was 12 to 15 it was not more than 15 okay you can count them all out right now no no i can't i can't um are you sure you can't? Because I can. Oh no, I can't. I can't count them at oh, all. Oh, okay. Because it's two, the... three, four, five, six, seven, thirteen. <laughs> See, <laughs> thirteen. I told you. I told you. It's twenty. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I don't know. Yeah, it was twelve to fifteen, so it's thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, it was thirteen. Yeah. Um, but they all had different uh, attributes and traits and characteristics. Or you could create a custom race and then set whatever characteristics you wanted. This gave you a ton of freedom in terms of if you you know if you really hated pollution you could pick a racial trait that lets you ignore pollution if you didn't want food you you could make your stupid people eat rocks instead because that's what you do now different government types you didn't like morale be unification you ignore morale but you know you're good at this and bad at that there's a lot of trade-offs and that kind of let you pick an overarching strategy to try to apply throughout a game and it would kind of drive kind of you sort of had to pick a grand strategy with your race and then hope that it worked (laughs) yeah you know um yeah and you know what that brings me uh that brings me to a question uh, because now we can actually just talk about personal engagement Mm -hmm. like we've done we spent a lot of time due diligence uh building this game up as a really good game so like what was one of your favorite strategies and one of your favorite sort of customized race options to take well we we would fiddle we used to fiddle a bit but um so that one of the options that we tried to avoid all the time is creative um yeah creative is kind of uh, it's like no, it's no, like no, no offense mode, to the man. cylons but fuck you cheaters you <laughs> it was like, awful yeah. just so cheesy uh, yeah. it, it was just normally when you're researching technology in Moo, um, you'll have, you know, three different options available to you in a particular tech branch and you get to choose one of them. And that is the one yeah, you'll research like and the other two disappear. Six. Yeah. It's a grid of six. You get, you get to choose between six different fields in each of those fields, uh, for each level of technology in each of those fields, you get anywhere between two to three three choices unless you're uncreative and then you only get one that is randomly selected at the beginning of the game which makes it really hard but really interesting 
but if you are creative, you don't have to choose which technology you take you get uh, them because all. Keep, keep in mind when you start to ch- when you choose to start researching, you only get access to the one thing that you're researching. If you aren't cre- if you aren't creative, you only get the one. Um, and then you move on to the next tier. You get to make that choice again. And so suddenly there's strategy involved in what you're researching. You can look ahead and see what you're going to be researching, but you have to choose what you're researching. If you're uncreative, that choice is taken away from you. If you're creative, that choice is also taken away from you, but it doesn't matter because you get everything anyway. So continue. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I guess, yeah, there, there were different, there still are different strategies and, and racial picks that will be better than others. Um, but it was always interesting to see, you know, we would sit down and three or four of us would do a hot seat game and everyone would make the same race <laughs> and take the same picks. Yeah. And ju- just to see what would happen and see how oh, it would work. Okay. So one person would, you know, have a, a tiny plant, like start and only have a tiny planet to expand to. Someone would have a large one that's, you know, full of lava. Someone else would have a good planet that's got food or something. And just, and being, you know, your proximity to your neighbors, how much room you have to expand. So you could kind of, it's almost like running multiple games with the same strategy, but just at the same time with friends, which was interesting to see. I guess I just, we had a very different approach. Um, Like... Oh, sometimes we just picked shit and ran at each other. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, that that's what we did. Like it was make the make the best race you can think to make and then just uh play each other and then it was it was almost like a game of risk. It's like, well, who's really playing with who? Who's really being a friend to who? Um yeah. Oh, our our uh, yeah, our games usually mo- most most you... of our people were good at who's winning. Yeah, let's fuck him sideways. <laughs> um when um when playing competitively, what was your favorite build for a race? Oh, it still depends. Depends on the on the universe. I mean, if it's a small universe that's mineral rich, so you could pick something like that, then you can go a really aggressive industry build and like really quickly expand and really quickly get a solid fleet that's going to beat somebody's <laughs> ass in like, you know, 60, 80, 100 turns or something. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll frame it for you. Largest universe regular minerals um like the regular as regular as can be yeah yes um full population so as many as many uh computers or players as possible uh custom races i still enjoy like i enjoy it from different perspectives i think the the espionage and diplomacy i enjoy a lot because i love it when other players are banking on you know, oh, I'm going to start war with the Sacra, and I hope the Trilarians don't don't <laughs> invade me, and I can watch them move their fleet away from the Trilarian border, and then you know, give them a, give the Trilarians a lollipop to attack my friend. That's just oh, it's so fantastic. Oh, you are dirty. <laughs> yeah, are it's dirty. it is hilarious to to be able to. It's just one more one more thing to fling at people to to giggle and laugh about, right? Yeah, and it's something that they're probably not tracking. Not tracking, not expecting, you know. It it's really fun. Yeah. I would I don't know. Um I always I always had like a favorite 
Um, so even when you customize a race, you still have to choose a template. Mm-hmm. So I would choose, um, I like the Illyrians, uh, mostly because I was a pubescent boy and I liked girls <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun to, it was fun to see like these incredibly strong, attractive girls, like destroying the universe. Um, yeah, I, I dug that, uh, and that I was actually able to, to help them accomplish that was a lot of fun. Um, but I would always, uh, my, I don't support, uh, I don't support monarchy in any stretch of the imagination, but my, <laughs> my kingdoms would always be feudal. Um, I would always take, uh, I would always take telepathic and then it would just be variations uh, of, okay. uh, industrial food or reproductive ability uh, and research because feudalism sucks. sucked for research. Yeah. Sucked for research. So I always had to take a buff for research and I would just sort of go from there. Um, and I would, I would tweak that one way or the other. But the the telepathic advantage was that I didn't have to engage in ground combat, which I felt was one of the most lacking aspects of the game. Yes. Um, so as long as I had a, a battleship or larger, I could just show up and then mass mind control a planet. Yeah. Um, or bomb it into oblivion, like whatever you prefer. Yeah, uh, yeah. But... Um, it was a very big tactical advantage, and it cost a lot of uh, it cost a lot of um, racial points to get that ability, which is why I would take feudal because feudal is actually a negative modifier for um, or like it gave gives you, you a surplus bonus of points. points. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I, I always had a lot of uh, I had a decent amount of success with that, even among human players. Uh, sometimes depending on who you were playing with, somebody would always play the Cylons and just go heavy tech. And sometimes that could still win the game. Yeah. Um, but I have also seen industrial builds in a regular, uh, in, in a regular huge universe that made fleets that were so daunting that they still held their own or beat the uh the techies beat the technology just because just yeah. just out of sheer numbers yeah and and that's competitively that's probably the i would be doing an industrial route uh it favors like you can expand early and aggressively and hold your ground you can knock out neighbors if you want because you're you'll have the ships and it's yeah eventually you can <laughs> you can muscle out any of the techies it's it's doable yeah um hmm i'm just uh yeah like uh i'm now i'm trying to think of other cons there because there are a few cons with this game um i would say that they're also perks like they're kind of cool but um the orion techs um Uh, like it's such a cool glittery gem to strive towards in in that game and it's it's a payoff right like the gamble is you fight the guardian which is one of the most powerful ships in the universe um the payoff is if you kill the guardian you get access to orion if you colonize actually if you just kill the guardian mm-hmm. you get the you get the orion text, you get the text which is four random texts out of i think 12 yeah there, i think there are two that you get every time and then two are randomized from a pool yeah um and they're they're like end game like almost or actually arguably better than anything you'll ever be able to research yeah they're good um i think i think some of the end game stuff is comparable but um you get a a significant advantage and considering when you can actually take on the guardian um the the level ability if you go an industrial build you can hit orion pretty early um 
And uh, yeah, I would also say that's kind of a it's it's a pro and a con. Um, like the 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 con is if you get those Orion techs and you're playing against a bunch of other living people, they're not your friends anymore, <laughs> or at least they're not your friends until you give them those techs yeah. or they take them from you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that taking Orion in that game, especially if you're playing against other living people, just puts such a target on your back. Yeah. And that, you needed to refit all of your ships right away and just hope that you survived the next three to three to five turns because if you didn't and you didn't get those new ships out, there was no hope. Yeah. And that's I, I kinda have that listed under under cons for me where you get used to certain tech breakpoints. Yeah. So w- after you're familiar enough with the game and you know how important research labs or automated factories are or, you know, getting through the, the missile trees so that you can create Merv nukes. So after you discover a weapon, do research for a weapon, after you go through X number of uh, tiers of research in that field, you can modify those weapons. So you can, you know, you start off with just nuclear warheads that you shoot. Then as you go through that, the, the nukes tech tree, you can make them faster. You can armor them. You can give them better guidance systems. You can make them MIRVs. You can make them, you know, do all kinds of things. So there are, cer- there are certain tech points. You can dauntless guidance system that destroy engines. Yeah. I love that one. There, there are certain breakpoints with nukes and, and with beam weapons where, like, when you get auto-fire mass drivers or something like that, it's so powerful that once you get used to doing that, it's 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 hard it becomes a self-imposed penalty to not use them and just once you know that that's a thing that's available that you can use and it's really good and it's going to save your ass it's it's hard to turn it down and then you start to prioritize and some of the tech tree solves itself for you like there becomes a kind of a line of best fit in terms of how you want to approach certain problems in the game yes um there is when i play now it's almost instinctive like looking at the and i guess that can be considered a con mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the tech tree is not a surprise to me anymore it's not an adventure that i need to explore everything in because i already know what everything does yeah. um there have been no expansions to this game um nothing new has been added that i what's cool is there's tons of mods um they're out there especially now that the game has made a comeback both on gog and on steam like the communities have had a heyday uh but no official support because microprose basically dissolved uh yeah um shortly after either i don't even know if they made master of orion 3 or if that was a third party um but uh, let's just say Master of Orion 3 yeah. was definitely the nail in the coffin. You keep talking about this, Mu 3. I've, I've never, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Mu 3 was such a deviation from the Masters, uh, Master of Orion 2 formula that a lot of people, including Stu, choose to pretend that it doesn't exist. Um, but it was just, uh, I don't know. I don't even we can talk about yeah. that another day but at the like long story short it was so complicated that it wasn't fun to it play it was just garbage unless you were a very specific type of person in which case it was incredibly fun to play as you watched the universe burn it was just, um yeah just yeah. unmitigated garbage i can't um, th- 
I I know somebody who actually enjoys that game for the narrative value. They lied. Um, no, he didn't <laughs> lie. Uh, he really did enjoy Master well, of Orion Three and just the weird places that game could take you. But uh, props to that person. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add in oh, this? I know yes, it was talked quite a bit. One, but if one you more con. One more con. I want to nail down. Endgame yep, colony management was fracking rubbish. Yeah, if you so, owned yeah. half the universe, it was quite a pain in the ass. So by the time you're done the tech tree, you have you know, 20, 30 buildings that you want to put on all your colonies. The colonies that you start with, you've been building through the whole game. So when you discover new tech, you're like, hey, now I can make a sandwich store. I'm going to make a sandwich store, and it's great. When you settle a new colony late game or you conquer a territory that you belong to a technically inferior species you have to improve their planet otherwise it's bad and then you have to make all these buildings and you can't set queues that are long enough and you there are no templates you can't say do the thing on this planet that i've done on every fucking planet so far in this game there's nothing like that so at the end of the game like it's optimal to to capture these feet the 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 colonies and make use of them it's just easier and way less frustrating to fucking blow up the planets yeah, just use a stellar converter. And just, and just, just make it. Star just it. make it go away. <laughs> God, it's, so that's frustrating. Yeah. That that's yeah. So the colony management at the end of the game at, the, at a big game, really, really frustrating. Really and frustrating. what's funny is like now, 2016, 2017, you can see the systems that exer- exist in games like Stellaris exist because of this. Yeah. Yes, it's a reaction, yep. a reaction to having too many colonies. So instead, they basically, you basically shovel off the colonies you don't want to think about too much and create sectors. Um, now, I'm not saying I enjoy that more. There's a part of me that wants to just yeah. control everything and make sure everything has what it needs to have yeah. on it. I enjoy the template concept, like set a grand design template so every planet you take... Uh, focuses on this and then maybe make a a macro square uh, copy and paste this build order please because these these are the things that I want and then if it's poor make sure that you focus on this if it's barren or rich make sure there's more industry and industry gets prioritized like set something up like that or if you get a planet that you really like just take ownership of it and actually set the queue yourself Um, but yeah uh, there are ways to do this where you don't have to quarter yourself off into those uh, sectors. Um, I think that that is one clever way to do it, but for a, uh, a control freak like myself, yeah. I, I still find myself, my, like my brain Wanting just gets to. rattled yeah. and furious. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, to, it's weird. It's one of those things where I can recognize it in Stellaris and say, no, this is a good thing, this is here, but, oh, it bugs the shit out of me. Man, I just want, mm. I want the control, I want to min-max, I want to make sure everything is perfect spotless and flawless but it, but i hate having to do that so it's yeah i i don't know it's it's weird it's it it's supposed to be a fun game play thing but it feels like a lose-lose <laughs> so um we're gonna start coming to the summary here yeah. but Stu, let's let's get to the meat of our our podcast and i just want to ask what is something that you learned from master of orion 2 Oh, the big thing would be kind of playing with that 
I don't know. It, it, it's it, the sandbox system of these are the mechanics. These is how they. This is how they all work. Even just being able to see, like when we do these games, we, we did those games with with friends of mine where we all pick the same race. Then, as we're playing the game, and you could see things that work and things that didn't. We'd you know you sit down and try and think about why did this thing work for me and not you? Why did this thing work for you and not me? would expose other game mechanics that you wouldn't necessarily think about, like things that you just did intrinsically or passively or unconsciously, and your own like standard prioritizations of like industry before research or research before industry, like as an example, those kinds of things. And it makes you change your perspective. It forces you to widen your perspective to properly analyze a problem. You keep, makes you adaptable well, well just more observant oh, okay yeah so you can't just approach every problem the same way because now all of a sudden you're sitting with other people saying we all have the same tools why are you cocking it up what's your problem well like there, there's something different that the, there has to be something different you have to be able to get out of your own perception to see what are they doing that I'm not? What's what's the thing that I'm thinking? What's my train of thought that I'm not paying attention to? Cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Um, I guess for myself, um, I spent a lot of time playing this game in the sterile safety of single player. Um... And for a 13-year-old, um, that, especially when there were other games out there, right? Um, World of War, or not World of Warcraft, <laughs> Warcraft 2 was out. Yeah. Um, I think by this point, Starcraft and things like Command & Conquer were out. But, like, I would find myself coming back to this. Uh, even Heroes of Might and Magic, mm. either one or two, would have been starting to creep in. Um, like... This was a game that I would take the time to play, that I would enjoy, um, and for for a thirteen year old, like and and older, because I would play it for years. And there's a reason why it's one of my favorite games, right? It's just the the strategic depth and stuff like that. But I learned, like number one, Zen of the Grind, uh, just watching, especially in in like the sterile single player mode, like just going through the numbers being able to create the civilization being able to conquer um like i learned patience calculation and um and and just how to be dynamic like i left antarans on i left special events on yeah um now things get completely flipped on their head when you introduce the chaos that is the human opponent um especially when it's yeah. uh, especially when it's a human opponent and you don't have any uh agreed upon conditions for playing yeah. it's just like okay well maybe we're going to kill each other maybe we're going to ally who knows um but even that due to the limitations of this game playing in hot seat uh it, it was again a game of patience yeah and um and strategy and generally if you knew the game better uh you had a significant advantage even if you were in a bad part of the universe so yeah that's true too um yeah for for me like one of the major takeaways was patience and strategy like um 
being able to sit down, think about uh, how I'm going to proceed, but also understanding that my ability to perform in this game comes from the more that I play this game. Um, mm. Yeah. And not... <laughs> like, I, I feel like we end up at... Like, that's actually the message that we end up taking from most of the games that we play and that, that we talk about. Like, the more that you play the game, the better you get at the game. Um, it's just practice, right? Like, practice in anything uh, makes you better. But uh, when you're able to actually exercise that like playing master of orion on a competitive like on a competitive level against somebody else feels awesome right up until the point where the war turns against you (laughs) (laughs) and then you you, and i guess that's sort of a con because when you're losing in master of orion you're really losing and if there aren't other human players if there aren't other human players to you know, discuss things and intervene. Like if there's no way for you to get a computer player to come to your side and let's face it, not the, most of the computer players aren't generally not normally. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah, that, that, that's a con when you start to lose, you really lose and it, it, it feels very one-sided. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I've like even 21 years later. So like, let's just shift into summary. Like even 21 years later, this game is still famous among 4X turn-based strat fans. Yeah. And I know that this is a niche. I get it. Like, I know it's a niche. Um, but it's famous for a reason. It's a great entry in the genre that expanded on existing systems and helped establish, establish mechanics and a be- benchmark that continues to be used to this day. Um, I don't know how much more we can actually say about it. Um I guess we could keep talking about it, but I think maybe we should probably start shifting into the next section. Yeah. Was there anything you wanted to say on closing, Stu? Um, I, I would throw out the same invitation for this game as I did with Smite. If anybody wants to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very cheap on Steam. Very cheap on Steam, very cheap on GOG. Um, and it's, I don't know if the yeah. interface is any good for multiplayer, but you'd probably, probably just have not. to get each other's IPs. Yeah, even, yeah, Fubar the Land. You'd make it work. Yeah, there's there's ways. It's there's ways, yeah. and Stu knows them. If if you're a fan of turn-based strats and you haven't tried Mewtwo, you're doing yourself a disservice. That's, <laughs> I like that. That's it. Like that's that. that's all there is to it. Yeah, give it a shot. Definitely give it a shot. Um, and list if if and, you if you aren't a fan of turn-based strategies, at least put a let's play on or something. Listen to the music. The the Starmac. Music oh, is actually really solid. Thank you, Stu. Thank you. Yes. That's another thing. I had not encountered ambient music before ever in my life. It was, it's <laughs> it's really good. And yeah, it's the surprisingly good. For Master of Orion 2 is very, very good. Even just the interactions between races. Um, yeah. Each race has its own theme. You're not always going to hear a lot of it, depending on how long you talk uh-huh. to that race. Yeah. You also know when you piss them off because the theme changes. Yeah. Um, you, like, but yeah, just, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, you have the option to to sit and listen through a lot of the music if you want, and it's it's yeah. really really it's it's really solid. Like it's really really impressive. Yeah. Oh, oh, nostalgia bomb. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. Yeah. Um, Nostalgia bomb until you have to manage colonies. Then the game can eat dicks. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) God damn it, Stu. That's how it is. Uh, Okay. Um, 
Right, so moving on into the next section, uh, which is what can you teach us? Number one, teach Stu how not to <laughs> be rude. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, not super Good rude. Good luck with that. Uh, yeah. Uh, next thing is uh, Stu and I love talking about video games. We just talked for an incredibly long time about uh, actually almost one, an hour. Yeah, almost an hour about one game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. About one game. So. Um, we really enjoy hearing from you as well. Uh, only happens every now and again so far, but uh, uh, today we've got a decent lineup. If you feel like you have a valuable lesson that you learned from a game, please feel free to share it with us. Or even if you just want to email us, uh, we'll read it out loud. So just feel free to email us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, so we do have emails today, Stu. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to read Craig's? Oh, I, I can. I can, I can too. I've got it open. Um, um, if you don't want to read it. I have it open as well. Okay. Whistling aside. Because um, I've also got Roberts. I think I'll, I'll take Roberts <clears throat> if you want to take Greg's. Okay, yeah. Um, that, that, Greg's ties into the news things that I was going to bring up anyway, so that's not bad. Um to do greg's gonna try not to ramble through this email Uh, that's a dirty lie uh he gets annoyed with free to place i am being nice (laughs) (laughs) uh likes to i get really annoyed with any of these free to play systems basically free to play was an attempt at creating a continued revenue to create new content you keep paying and you keep getting new stuff the problem is that the idea that people would pay enough to keep people working on the game by paying such a small amount for the characters is just dumb it's not gonna be enough and it showed time and time again that it isn't based on how many free-to-play games have failed and gone under. The loot crate concept is just the newest iteration, basically making people pay more to get what they want. Like paying for a game once to play it, paying for a skin once means you always have it, so they invented a method that means that you don't always get it, and the added addiction of luck and gambling to the mix. Um, this is all well and good for cosmetics, which is pretty much what devs have realized the winning recipe. Um, remember when there were a bunch of pay-to-win games out there, they most of them didn't last. Uh, my issue stems from the quality of the game created outside the pay elements. I find as soon as free-to-play is added on a game, its quality goes down, and it's really annoying to see such crappy free content when the game needs their free players to stick around and uh, to <laughs> pay for costumes. Um, I th- part part of that is yeah. Uh, I mean, free-to-play is... Well, we've talked about the free-to-play methodology before. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. There's a few things I take issue uh, with in this email, and not, like, an aggressive issue, but there are pay-to-win games that are still going strong. Yeah. Right? Um, I feel like... And to be fair, this is a lot of people's blind blind spot, but mobile. Uh, pay-to-win mobile is everywhere. And there are many, many successful games that do not disappear. They're still there, and they just they thrive on this. They they thrive on this type of uh, this type of platform, yeah. and it works. Yeah. Um, if it didn't work, people wouldn't do it, and so many people wouldn't replicate it. And it's just that like people are actually making undisclosed. And I'm going to have to assume absurd amounts of money on this type of mechanic, this type of uh, loot crate or, uh, you know, throw gems at something to get a random result. Yeah. 
Um, it, it's how you catch whales, which are the incredibly big spenders. They're supposed to be like uh, a whale is, I forget what the ratio in terms of people, but yeah. it's like one in however many people uh, will throw thousands. Yeah. Hundreds or thousands at a game. And when your turnover for, for game creation is quick enough, like we're talking about low quality games, people aren't going to pay for low quality games up front. So you make them free to play and you hope to catch a whale. That's that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. And that's 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 the risk of, of picking up a free to play game, I guess. Yeah. Whereas what's interesting is I still have access to every single uh, I guess, you know, like every mobile game that I play is uh, functions under this mechanic, functions under the quotation loot crate free-to-play mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are still going really, really strong, uh, continuously releasing new content, which means that there's still a team developing for it, which means that the system is still working. Yeah. Um, so I think that when you get to a larger scale, like especially um, things like AAA, uh, it's not always a valid choice, but uh, a good example is League of Legends. It didn't go anywhere. Yep. It's free to play. And, uh, well, it was just pay to pay for aesthetics, really. And no, pay for heroes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pay to unlock the people you want to play yeah. if, you don't have, if you don't have enough bank time. Um, and with the shifting meta... There you go. There's always a new god coming through that you've got to have. Yeah. Yeah. Same in Smite. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so insidious that now Smite, if you want a costume, you have to pay for a chance to get it. Yeah. Instead of just pay for the costume. Well, yeah. It's it's some some are straight and some are loot box. Yeah. Um, um, and that, that loot crate thing is a real... That, that's the bigger issue. I, that's been... It's, it's been talked about a lot the last couple of weeks. Yes, definitely. Um, but it's because every single major AAA game that's coming out... starting to from, announce them. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Shadow of War, Destiny, uh, Destiny 2, yeah. uh, Fortnite, um, Battlegrounds. Like, Battlegrounds has it in there. Yeah. Um, and now, see, that, these are my news things. Because the UK is... Um, in the UK, there's a petition rising to try to get loot crates tied into gambling laws. So that they have to be regulated, which is, it makes perfect sense. And conversely, of course, the ESRB wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. Which is really, right. really unfortunate. I mean, it, it would be nice to have a game, like some kind of gaming organization kind of helping deal with that. So it's, I mean, it, to me, it speaks volumes that the ESRB is just like, you know, just like hands up back and out of the room like you like you're the people that are supposed to be dealing with this shit like long before it's a problem long before it's reached this point and you're still like not willing to even join a debate about it like come on yes uh how how can i say this um the biggest issue with this type of mechanic Especially because, and uh, again, this was talked on Waypoint. Uh, a number, a number of people have discussed this already. Like, this is a gambling mechanic, and whether or not you want to acknowledge it, the second you put real dollars into that mechanic, into that machine, you 
enable people to drain bank accounts. Um, there are like most people have common sense. Most people have self control, but a kid with access to a credit card, um, just either like not lawfully, but like just gets it or a kid that has access to an account that, uh, that isn't locked. Um, yes, shame on that parent, but that's not going to bring that money back. Um, also people who have addictive tendencies, people who, who, um, will have the types of gambling problems. This is another outlet yep. and like what an insidious outlet. Yep. Um, because this isn't even just like, it isn't a slot machine that you have to drive to and sit down in front of like, this is in your house, right? Like it's, you turn on your computer and it's right there and you see the thing that you want and then you're just, you're grinding for it. And I'm not saying grinding, like playing for it. I'm saying grinding, like paying for it. And it's a very destructive thing that should be observed. Um, I'm not saying that everybody's going to fly off the handle and throw a bunch of money, but like I've been guilty of jumping down rabbit holes, trying to get the thing that I want and then coming back up and I'm like, I almost spent a hundred bucks. Right. And just realizing, holy shit. Like I just threw that more was too than much. I would throw at a, yeah. yeah, I would just, I just threw more than I would throw at a triple a game at whatever the heck it was that I was trying to get. Um, very stardust wand <laughs> like it's just yeah uh, uh, oh oof, oh god it is so so easy um and nobody is disclosing how much money they're making from this process like think about here's something really crazy to think about um battlefield uh or uh, battlegrounds uh player unknown battlegrounds mm-hmm. like think about that game that game is in pre-release, hasn't even released yet, has cash-based loot crates that you can buy, or you can actually buy the equipment through the Steam uh, through the st- uh, Steam trade apparatus for real money. They haven't even launched their game yet, and they've already made millions. Over 2 million players. Over 2 million players. Let's say there's a whale. Uh, so two million. Let's say the dispersion is one in every two hundred is a whale, right? Like that means that that one in every two hundred is spending hundreds to thousands of dollars on loot crates. Like it is so scary how easy it is to actually make money off of this. Um, and I I don't know. I guess it's legal right now. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. But like these are people who aren't getting the money back like this isn't a casino where you have the chance to win something back like the the stuff that you're winning is intangible like in-game stuff that will last as long as you enjoy the game yeah and it's a chance to win it instead of grinding and getting it yeah and uh yeah like if there's one thing that 2016 2017 has taught gamers it's that uh, maybe we shouldn't have as much gambling in our it's games. It's pre-order everything and get all the loot boxes with real money. <laughs> That's the lesson that we're taking. <laughs> yeah. No, the lesson yeah. I want to, like, it means that now I have to make sure that when I'm raising my son, he needs to understand that. Oh, yeah. you got to be conscious like, of that kind of thing. Yeah, because like the kid's going to want gems. He's going to want money for loot crates. Um, if this, the, this type of mechanic endures and it's gonna it's not going away with at least well, not no. in the next few years no not at all 
I mean, if there's if there's anything that we've seen at all from the gaming industry in the last five, ten years, it's a brazen disrespect and disregard for consumers. Like, there's no <laughs> way around it. Yeah, pick, pick, it, any, it's so pick funny. any number of actions from the industry, and it's there. I want to be enthusiastic about gaming. I do, and I I love again. I love playing games, but you'll notice I tend to stay more towards the retro or something that I don't have to throw lots and lots and lots and lots of money yeah. at. Um, so yeah, like enjoy your games, but don't go broke over them, right? Um, and <laughs> if this is a new concept to you, like put the wallet away. Think about it. <laughs> Let's <laughs> disconnect your PayPal, man. Uh, just, uh, yeah, save yourself the trouble. Um, real food is cooler real than good. fancy yeah. cape. Yeah. Um, cool. So what else does Greg say? That that was that was it. Well, he mentioned another game that, we're, that we should check out, and maybe we'll deal with that some of them. What? You mean? Oh, okay. That's, that's yeah. all. I, that's all. Yep. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay, so then um, I'm gonna read Robert. Yeah. Uh, he sent <laughs> he sent he sent this one to my personal email uh, just because he forgot my the podcast email, which is why I keep saying it yeah. twice. Um, so hi guys, I have a question about games uh, from which there is absolutely nothing to learn. I find that much of my favorite art contains nothing of value beyond pure distilled enjoyment. In music, for instance, I tend to prefer... And keep this in mind, Robert... This this is Robert's preferences. Not everybody's, but this is Robert. So, I tend to prefer songs where the lyrics exist only to enhance the music itself. In such cases, these lyrics are either nonsensical or pointless in and of themselves, but they sound good, in quotation marks, um, and thus exist purely for the music. Again, I'm not saying all songs are like this, but these are the types of songs I myself often prefer, and for my tastes, I tend to also prefer whatever the analog, analog, analog use analogous. approaches. Yeah, analogous approaches may be for other art mediums. Good use of the word analogous. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm an English major. Um, on the <laughs> <laughs> On a side note, uh, I really am. It's sad. Um, it seems that frequently when art uh, tries to do this, people try even harder to analyze it and take some meaning from it. As if in some way, or as if it in some way seems so strange that people have or have to has or that it has to feel that it has to have a metaphorical or perhaps subversive in the sub or postmodern sense, not a very good sentence. Sorry, Robert. Um, um, let's see if I can read that again. In some way, it seems so uh, strange that people feel it has to be metaphorical or perhaps subversive in a postmodern sense. Thank you, Stu. You read better. Um, again, English major. I did it. Um, okay. So, uh, my question for you is this, what are some of the best video games that do this same thing? I'm referring to games that exist purely to be a game with absolutely no point other than to be fun. A game may be absurd, surreal, or simply pointless. Uh, two that come to mind for me are Katamari Damashi and Saints Row the Third. I'm sure there are uh, what the problem is. He just used mine. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there are arguments to be made for each. 
that are meant to be statements about this or that. However, in my opinion, they exist purely for fun, tossing aside any logic, morality, and of course realism in order to present fun game mechanics, dynamic visuals, and humorous storytelling, free from whatever restrictions may otherwise be holding uh, be holding them back from doing some of the same uh, ex- or doing so in the same extent. Are there any games that you can think of? And then, thanks guys, keep up the good work. So, absurd games for absurdity's sake. Thank you, Robert. Yes, thank think, you very much, Robert. I think the first one that came to my mind was a game that I f- hate. Um, oh, good. Which I <laughs> should not have said because a lot of people love Super Meat Boy. Oh, Super Meat Boy! And and to yeah, me, yeah, that it's, and it's that, that's mindless platforming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that that's that's one that would come to my mind immediately. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if Binding of Isaac has a better story than that. <laughs> um, it's still like just as yeah. dark, and it's just it's like mindless roguelike. Yeah. Um, I really love that he brought up Katamari Damashi, uh, just rolling stuff up because your dad tells you to, um, and you can eventually start rolling up like everything in the world. Um, Yeah, it's good. I, I, (laughs) and he just demeans everything that you do. Like just what a weird game. Um, uh, another good example is like Goat Simulator, where like the, the sandbox yeah. is the game. I yeah, guess. or like or um, like Quop or Climb Your Friends or yeah, there are a bunch of like yeah, Climb Your Friends is amazing <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. But, but um, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Out there. So but but aside, I think aside from the mechanics of these games, like like we said, anytime you're sinking time into a game, you're getting better at it. But I, I get I get what you're saying with, you know, people see weird things and they feel it has to mean something, and that's unfortunately that's the that is one of the things with gaming is that the authorial intent is kind of out the window. Like it's, <laughs> it, it, it is. You also, can't, you can't stew, do that. Stu, like human nature, people look up at the sun and think it must be a god um, <laughs> without context, right? I, I, <laughs> like you, you, you try to find you try to find patterns in things uh, because that's what the human yeah. mind does. No, I, I'm I'm not saying that every every rubbish game. <laughs> I was actually gonna say to, that this argument is very similar to um, my big complaint about people bringing narratology to video gaming and trying to find the plot yeah. of Tetris. Like, just uh, mm, it's bad. But I I think that that's kind of part of what we're getting at is trying to find the things that you learn that maybe you're not really aware that you're learning. Whether or not it's something (laughs) conscious or not, like, like climb your friends. You're still, you're having a social time with your friends. That kind of becomes an experience from which you can learn something. Whether whether yes, whether or not you can argue that that's yeah def- whether or not it's something you can argue is directly from the game, I don't know. Super Super <laughs> Meat Boy, this like there's some hand eye coordination, I guess. That's something that's arguably transferable. Um, you probably learn all kinds of curse words. You definitely learn patience, yes, persistence. With that game, know. you have to be patient and persistent. Um, 
it is one of the cruelest platformers out there. Um, hmm. Yeah, I I really enjoy this question. Did not see it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sort of ties into um, what we were talking about last episode with uh, the 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 blog about absurd games. I'll I'll repost the. A link to that in the the show notes just the sort of things that you can take from some some absurd games i still struggle a little bit to think about what could be taken away from katamari damacy but at the end of the day like it's just a fun little romp it's got a great soundtrack um it's just even just the setting is goofy and blocky it's like if minecraft had a joke for a brother um yeah yeah <laughs> and, and you got to roll that joke around into a ball um i and having okay i'm less familiar with katamari like i'm i like in depth wise i know I, w- I was gonna say maybe something like saints row you could argue is maybe more of a canvas and it lets you exercise your creativity a little bit because there aren't many games that let you you know beat people to death with a three inch three well three foot never mind that you can do weird things in that game <laughs> yes absurd things in that game. yeah but um, so a lot of that pleasure comes from coming up with these ridiculous ideas right yeah and yep yep or um yeah what's interesting is uh Katamari Damacy is actually until you start opening up the the overworld map like it's a very linear experience you're challenged to to create balls yeah. from very small things and you start to grow and grow and grow um so it it really is just it's of a, a simple process that is only challenging in uh the limitations of the 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 room that you're in or the level that you're in um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this this is a tough one. Um, there's there's always something to be taken away from a game, even if it's that you don't like it, right? Like um, under uh, like self. Hey, there you go. Self evaluation. Um, maybe Katamari Dama Damacy isn't isn't the game for you. You're not gonna know until you play it, right? Maybe Masters of Orion three isn't isn't the game or two isn't the three for most for people. Sure. Yes. Um, isn't the game for you you're not going to know till you try it like uh, you understand your tastes and your preferences better the the more that you play it so even if that's all you're going to take away from playing some of these games like it's it's still something right um and you get to learn the value of time Uh, (laughs) (laughs) speaking of time um we're doing all right but i think we should probably shift into uh what we've been playing yeah so thank you again robert yeah, thank you I like again, that. greg for your emails um and just keep them coming yeah yeah we've we've had a bunch of people say well i've had a bunch of people say ah, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a, with a question i've had a few questions but none of them are good enough like dude i don't care we just don't, send them we don't, we don't, we don't yeah. dude we just uh, just send them man yeah. well that you know what if you have a shitty question today and a better question tomorrow we'll answer them both i yeah, promise it'll be okay <laughs> we, will. we will don't we're yeah don't uh, don't hold back don't get yeah just sh- shoot it shoot it at us we'll read it all um <laughs> unless it's too big and then we will we'll paraphrase it. it or yeah we'll do something 
And if you are concerned about, <laughs> about Stu reading your emails because he decides to uh, he decides to paraphrase them, just say Chase, please read this. Yeah, email yeah, no, that, that's that's no problem. I, I I only do that kind of thing if it's someone that I know, like like yeah, very yeah. very well and have talked with. It's it's okay. Yeah, yeah. it'll all work. Okay. It'll all work out in the end. So next section, what have we been playing? So Stu, what have you been playing? Oh, nothing, man. I've I've had yeah, I've had a little fair. bit of time in Mutu, and uh, like one or two smite matches over the past two weeks. I've been out of this room where my computer is <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah. I'm just, it hasn't yeah. happened for me. Um, that's the, fair. The Mutu, the Mutu's um, been good. The smite was good. I haven't played smite in a really long time. And then we're trying to gear up for that extra life tourney. Yeah. Which is in a couple, a few weeks, three weeks. So. Yeah. Keep on top of me for yeah. that one. Cause I actually have money that I could give you instead of just promises of money. <laughs> instead um, of being a, oh, another whale for another mobile game. <laughs> yes. Instead of being a whale for another mobile game. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, just stay on top of me for that. Cause I would like to contribute if I can. Um, it's cause you're a hero. Um, I don't know about Hero. Um, so then, I guess for me, I've been playing Fortnite a little bit, not as much as I had been. Not because I don't like it, but because I didn't have time. Mm -hmm. uh, they did introduce the Battle Royale yeah, system, yeah. which caused a bunch <laughs> of... A um, little bit of fiasco. ...threats of lawsuits, but uh, we don't really need to talk about that. A lot of people already have. I would recommend listening to, again, Waypoint uh, Radio did a great exploration of that. DLC, uh, which uh, is, uh, what is it? Um, oh, no, their names are escaping me. Uh, sorry, I'll actually put a link to the podcast in the show notes as well. But I'll put it to that actual episode where they discuss the uh, the unusual uh, legal <laughs> significance of that, trying yeah. to dispute uh, mechanics of a game yeah. and how ridiculous that kind of yeah. is. Um, regardless, I haven't even touched the Battle Royale version of Fortnite. I just keep playing the regular game because the regular game is better. And if I want to play Battle Royale, I'll just play PUBG. Um, other things that I've been doing, I've been, <laughs> I've been closetedly reading the new 40K 8th edition yeah. rules for uh, Tabletop. Yeah. And... <clears throat> um, it's fun. It like even no, even just like in my head like it's there's there's okay. The the system's not perfect, but I don't know a tabletop system that is. Yeah. Um and this is the closest to like a version of 40k that I'm interested in playing that I've encountered in a long time. Oh, okay. Um and I'm like excited to start collecting models again and assemble and paint like this is it's the same thing with uh what happened for me with dark age i'm still very excited to play dark age it's just there's no players the thing about 40k is there, there are, are a few everywhere yeah. everywhere it's the most played I, tabletop yeah, i've game. heard of so i've heard of 40k <laughs> <laughs> so there you go um i mean i i could play this is gonna sound a little weird like i could play hordes or war machine but in my area that's kind of it's find, dying I'm down sure. a little yeah. bit yeah, it's uh, not not as many people playing yeah. it, but everybody plays 40k. Um, I know that armies can change edition to edition, but 8th just came out. And as far as I can tell, everybody's having a lot of fun playing it. Everybody I talk to likes it. Everybody has like one or two issues that they don't like about it, but that's the same for every system. So um, 
yeah, I'm just, I've, I've already got like an army pl- uh, planned out what I'm going to get together, what faction I'm going to play. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. And that's a really big part of the hobby is doing, doing the that planning, homework, yeah. thinking about what it is you want to play, um, going onto the forums, talking to, co- or engaging with communities. It's like, it's, it's an interesting and sort of healthy kind of entry into a hobby um, because suddenly you become engaged in something, you start talking to other people, you start engaging with people, and the best part about a tabletop game is you have to play it with a person, yeah. right? You have to be across the table from someone. Um, and I don't get a lot of that. <laughs> I don't. I spend a lot of time in my basement alone uh, working or just upstairs with my family. And again, I love my family, but... When that's your life, uh, it, it's good to search out ways to engage more With people. More people, because yeah. You, yeah, you need to you need to stay social. You need, yeah, and, you need a community. And my local tabletop game store is literally two minutes away. So, yeah. So, so uh, even though I would love to play a game like Arcadia Quest with you, Stu, you're super busy. I'm usually super busy on the weekends, and those are generally the only times that we could ever hang out. Um, so I need to try and find another way to make contact with other human beings. Um, (laughs) but they're so gross. I know this is, (laughs) this is something that I'm excited about and something that, yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's always cool to, to like burst onto the scene in your local, your local store and be like, I'm doing this. Who else is doing this? Okay. Let's do this together. It's, it's always really neat. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's gonna take a while because uh, one of the downsides to 40k is it's fucking expensive. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to cut corners here and there. There's a few options for like uh, specialized bits that I'm I'm doing. Got very lucky with a number of purchases on eBay. Um, Second mortgage. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing. That has no ramifications. Um, no, no, no second mortgage. Nothing long term. No, no, no issues. There. Second mortgage exists. Um, Just saying, it's an option. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it is an option if you want to get into forty k. You better have access to equity in a home. Um, <laughs> the other thing I've been playing is I I stayed with that Logress uh, Japanese yeah. RPG on mobile, and I love not having a stamina meter. It's a mobile game that doesn't have stamina meter. I can grind as much as I want. Sometimes I just grind out the daily things. Um, I've got a character to a level where I want. I've been able to actually acquire some really good weapons from the loot crate free-to-play throw gems at it system because in-game you can produce enough gems that you don't have to throw money at it. I threw a little bit of money at it when I started. not going to throw money at it again because I don't have to. Um... And, like, this game just keeps getting more popular. More people keep showing up. Everybody keeps engaging with it. Like, it's it seems to be doing well. Uh, I'm never lonely in any of the forums or on any of the maps. So, I like it. I dig it. It's uh, turn-based, like, turn-based fighting, kind of like a Final Fantasy game, but you just control a single player. Uh, the maps generally have a bunch of other people on them, so... Either you can take one of the friends that you've made, you can take their sprite with you and they'll fight with you automatically, or 
if somebody is engaging another monster, you can just team up with them and then you become part of their party and you all fight the monster together. Um, there's a bunch of different classes you can choose from um, and you can jump from class to class to class. You're not locked in at character creation. Um, it's good. It's good. Uh, it's something to really fill in the gap when I'm waiting for my son to fall asleep. So, uh, yeah, man, I dig nice. it. And that is it for me. That's it for me. So, um, yeah, do you want to bring this bad boy to a close? My dog just got up. <laughs> I, okay. Uh, my dog just yep. woke up. I that's know. okay. Yeah. No, but so, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, we'll, we'll, we'll do the rollout. Yeah. So, like, uh, before the end of the show, um, oh, no, I'm just reading off a sheet. And it's not applicable to today. <laughs> so I just want to say uh, we're closing now. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Uh, both Stu and I hope you enjoyed yourselves and me bumbling right at the end of the show. Um, Stu, did you have anything you wanted to plug this week before we close? Oh, shoot. No. No. Sorry. I've got nothing. But Hey, man, that's okay. Um for me, I'm going to plug uh, the Geek Therapy Network again. I'm also going to plug uh, Waypoint Radio and Waypoint Advice. Uh, like, that's the, the video game division for uh, Vice Media. They, you know, I don't agree with everything that they say, um, but a cool, cool group of people, very diverse, um, and they definitely have some alternative opinions on the gaming industry and just what's going on, and I, I actually appreciate hearing what they have to say. Um, and they can't help themselves getting involved in what's occurring in popular culture, um, yeah. especially when it's something as horrible as what happened in, in Las yeah. Vegas or uh, or the stuff at Breitbart. Um, so uh, th- that aside, uh, Geek Therapy Network, uh, Josue Cardona, uh, he is actually from Puerto Rico. Um, like he, he works out of Puerto Rico and... Uh, yeah, if if you find it in your heart and your wallet to donate to any of the uh, the numerous legitimate yeah. <laughs> um, restoration um, attempts for for Puerto Rico, I, I encourage you to do so. There there are many. Um, I'll make sure to list a few in the in the show notes as well. So uh, yeah, if you find it in your heart or your wallet to do that, please do. Um, that because that is an area that is going to need some help for the next little yeah. while because it's definitely not coming from the states proper um so hopefully it comes from citizens um all right well Stu. um sorry what else did uh, did you want to plug anything else no you said no, no. uh you don't you, not even the extra live stuff um well that's gonna be done by the time this podcast goes out oh that's fair so yeah. That's so fair. thank so Ri- uh, a future but retroactive thank you to everyone <laughs> to, to everyone for any of your involvements in extra life which by now has been a success and we've raised over schmutter but a billion dollars oh that sounds yeah amazing. yeah all right well um okay cool <laughs> cool 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 uh if you want to know more about learn from gaming podcast and i'm not talking used to i'm talking the audience um we've got all kinds of social media now we've got facebook we've got twitter um we've got our website at learnfromgaming.com and um uh yeah we're also on itunes presently still not on uh google play 
not not figuring that one out yet i just haven't had the time to dive into that um but yeah uh again thank you for for joining us and tune back in soon yeah probably in two weeks hopefully in two weeks yeah. <laughs>